I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cabby Richards. I appreciate the support. Thank you for the click. Thank you for the download. Thank you for the subscription. To chart my adventures. Ah, you, you don't really need to know about my adventures. But if you are curious, on Twitter, it's at the real cabby. On Instagram, it's at the real cabby. On Vine, it's at the real cabby. And you can see all my segments for those who are discovering this for the first time at tsn.ca slash cabby presents. So it's Thanksgiving weekend this weekend. And a few years ago, I'd say maybe six years ago, I was having Thanksgiving dinner at my parents' house, which is they live in um, Brampton, Ontario, which is about 20, sorry, 40 minutes outside of Toronto in the suburbs. So my mom has like a penchant for coming up with interesting conversation. First, you know, everything is like every family. Their, their, their conversation is kind of small talk-ish on the surface, like, hey, how's work, all that sort of thing. But my mom will somehow veer the conversation into something very interesting. Like, it's, it's either like it's, uh, you know, a conversation about socioeconomics or about uh, politics or about minerals being, you know, farmed somewhere in the world. Like, my mom is a very intelligent person. Uh, my mom actually told me about the Internet when I was in high school, when I was in the 11th grade, she said, there's a network of computers that they're calling the information superhighway. You should invest money in one of these companies that, that do this thing called the World Wide Web. And I'm like, mom, I'm 16 years old. I work at Beaver Lumber. I work at a hardware store and I make, I think, six bucks an hour. What, what am I going to invest in? Like, I, I have a job so that I can go to the movies on the weekend or play uh, laser tag or, um, you know, buy Mariah Carey CDs for my girlfriend at the time. Like, what am I going to invest in? What do you, like... So, in one particular conversation, before we got to the centerpiece of our thing, I asked my parents how they met. And I'm sure for most of you guys listening, you've had this conversation with either your mother or your father um, at some point. So I was curious. I mean, I was like a grown man at this point. Like I was probably 30. And, excuse me, so I'm recalling the time when I asked my parents when they met. And I think I asked them when I was 16 or 17. And my mom said we met at the library at university. My parents went to the University of Toronto and the library there is called the Robards Library. So I was like, oh, okay, they met at the library, whatever. I accepted that as the truth. So then like six years ago at Thanksgiving dinner, I, you know, I started to do some digging. I'm like, well, what was school like for you guys in the 70s? 
and you know my dad was you know that you know he was he rolled with this crew you know that was a little more radical at the time you know there was before the free love movement there was you know the late 60s there was a lot of change in the in the you know the social climate of north america i mean the the civil rights movement had uh you know had taken place a decade earlier and it was you know punctuated on with uh dr martin luther king's untimely death in 1960 his assassination in 1968 you know that and that's that sort of that lingered so my dad's like you know i hung with you know it was more more radical students and you know mom really liked that and then my dad i was like well dad how did you support yourself when you're at school my dad he told me he was a dj and he used to throw parties with his uh, with his partner. I, and I've explained this on podcasts before, but if you hadn't heard it, here's the story. So my dad's, uh, and I'm I'm gonna get my dad on this podcast so he can tell uh, talk about this era of time in in Toronto where Yorkville, uh, for those who know about Toronto, Yorkville was is is a very affluent uh, area of town. There's like the you know the expensive boutique shops like the Louis Vuitton store, you know the you know, those, those kind of, um, the Chanel store, those kind of shops. So at that time in my dad's era, you know, Yorkville was like where the hippies used to hang out. It was really super bohemian the way that Kensington market is right now. So he used to throw this party, these parties with his friend and his friend's handle who was also a, a DJ. He was known as Detroit disco and he did the funk. My dad was like, he used to play the baddest funk music and reggae. So my, you know, Detroit disco, like got the party, party hyped. He was turned up. Like the party got turned up when he jumped on the tables. And then my dad was known as the soul defender. So he used to smooth out the parties for, I'm not sure how much time I'm going to ask him specifics of how long each set was, but he would smooth it out with like the Commodores and Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin and, and James Brown, but like play the slow jam. So, you know, there'd probably be like one red light in the room and like the room was probably dark and, and you know, my dad was out there and I remember the vinyl records in my house and they had like the, the gold label, sorry, the, the purple label. And then my dad would write in his, in his penmanship soul defender on the inside label. So my mom used to go to these parties. So I'm like, wait a second. I'm like 30 years old. I know how parties work. I know how much the DJ gets played. You guys didn't meet at the library. You guys met at a jam. So I urge you to do some digging at Thanksgiving with your family and don't accept the first story as the real story if, if the first story sounds too good to be true. Meeting at the library. You guys were slow jamming, slow dancing, grinding to, boy, I don't, I don't even, like some Al Green or something like that. Donny Hathaway, some Stevie Wonder back in those days. My guest on the podcast, I will do some digging and you will be surprised what I unearth in this conversation with one of the scrappiest dudes in the NHL. He joins me on the phone right now. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. The first time I met this man, I was covering the 2009 NHL playoffs in Vancouver. It was the second round, and his team was facing the Chicago Blackhawks. It was probably late April, early May. In our first interview, 
He used the term frenemy, which I heard for the first time, then proceeded to rip it off as though I came up with it myself. He's a tough SOB, and at times, he scowls. But in our first encounter, I got him to smile. And if I read his mind correctly, he thought, who is this chubby idiot in a t-shirt asking me questions that have nothing to do with hockey? Years later, I called on him to stage an impromptu road hockey game during the NHL lockout on a court under a bridge in Vancouver. Three or four hundred people showed up after a couple of tweets from his teammate Ryan Kessler and my guest, Kevin Bieksa. Always honest, always down for whatever, and I'm happy to be joined by Kevin Bieksa of the Vancouver Canucks. Thank you very much, sir. How, what's going on? Wow, what an intro. Yeah. That was phenomenal. I put some thought into these things, man. I'm not just a... Yeah, that, that feels good. You know, it's pretty accurate, too, with uh, what you thought I was thinking when I first met you. close <laughs> <laughs> to the truth. Yeah, I, like, uh, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even think I knew any better, but I just knew that I was doing things differently, and you guys... Yeah, respond you're, you're definitely different well yeah but di- like different good or different bad oh they're different good uh i don't know about the, the the frenemy thing i don't remember ever using the word frenemy that's kind of embarrassing no 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 fr- no i still well i know i still use frenemies no but it was like it was fresh to me at that time frenemies i think i was i think the bit was about um if you would if any of your 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 opponents would um if they tried to uh um, be cordial with you, like during the series. Would you be? Would you extend that that courtesy? And I think that was the bit. And then you you came up with, or you you said like, oh, like frenemies, like you're you're pretending to be. Friend- yeah, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I know what that movie's from too. That's, that's from Mean Girls, I think. Is it actually? <laughs> Dude, Mean Girls is a great movie. Oh, embarrassing. I, well, okay, but no, seeing Mean Girls isn't as embarrassing as owning the notebook on dvd do you well actually yeah, i do own that as well oh I my gosh dude that's it. in your home yeah i could get it out the drawer right now i haven't watched it in a while though if that's any consolation no it's no consolation you own no. the movie dude well i obviously didn't buy it myself i think my wife bought it but I, it's it's in my possession <laughs> well because you are married then you have a pass if you're a single guy and you owned a cat and you had the notebook so many strikes then on your I'd record. Do, then I'd be doomed. Yes. Hey, remember in that series, um, Sammy Sallow got hit in the jewels and, like, ru- ruptured a testicle? Yes, I do remember that. That wasn't fun at all. No, it didn't, didn't that dude, did he play the rest of the game, or did he, like, come back in that series? No, he didn't go. He didn't play the rest of the game. He came back later in the series, but he missed a, a couple games, and I think he was out, like, three or four days until he got feeling in his voice back. <laughs> and part of his soul back. If if he's a fourteen out of ten in toughness, what are you? If, if he's, I think that's the most pain I've ever actually seen somebody in, and, and I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of injuries before. You know, puck shot at people. That was Sammy as well, getting a puck shot at his face. I've seen guys break bones and everything, but I've never seen somebody in as much pain as he was when he got hit uh, in the privates there. Um, what your what was your bad question again? <laughs> <laughs> if Sammy Sallow is a fourteen out of ten in toughness, what are you? Uh, I don't know. I'll take I'll take eight or nine. Respectful eight or nine. That, that is respectful. That is respectful. Hey, um, so I was um, 
I, a couple uh, earlier this week, um, the Colorado Avalanche played in Toronto. And then I messaged uh, Matt Duchesne, who plays for Colorado, after the game. I'm like, dude, how many tickets do you have to buy in Toronto? Because he's from the GTA, as are you. Uh, And he said 11. I was like, oh, man, that's like two, three Gs. Easy. That's just coming out off your visa. And then I told him that when L.A. played in Winnipeg earlier in the season, uh, Mike Richards, who's from Kenora, which is two hours away from Winnipeg, he had to buy 23 tickets for his friends and families. Friends and family. So that's like, I don't know if it's a full game check, but like that's a significant amount of a game check or like a, a part of your your uh, your check not there. Him. Not for him, though. <laughs> he's, he's got some big checks coming in, I think. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm sure they have like, they've like two or three commas. Uh, what's the most that you've had to buy? I think earlier in my career in Toronto, um, I can't remember exactly how many I bought, but I had I had to have had more than thirty people come to the game. Are you I, kidding? In Toronto? Well, yeah, that's where I kind of grew up. I know it's a Hamilton. You, it's Hamilton, right? Yeah, just outside of Hamilton. If you want to get specific here? Well, where like where where outside of Hamilton? Like uh, where? Grim, a small town called Grimsby. You're laughing too. I Tron over over the lake. <laughs> Grimsby. So thirty tick. That's a lot. And if that's early in your career, you're not making the kind of bank that you make now. So that's like significant, right? Yeah, that was coming right out of uh, the savings. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think I said that I would uh, I would buy everybody's. First, uh, first ticket to see me play, and then after that, they would kind of be on their own. But that didn't really hold up either. So, are you still? Do you guys play in Toronto this year? Do you guys make it out east? Play, yeah, there's this uh, new schedule that we came up with where you play every team uh, home and home at the least with every team. So we're we're coming back to Toronto just before the Olympic break. Uh, nice. But we're going to Buffalo in a couple weeks, and Buffalo's even closer. It's only about. 35, 40 minutes, so I got a, a big chunk of family coming out there, but now I'm at the point where I, I basically beg my family, if you want to come see me, I'll take care of it. Just come watch me play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just desperate for some fans right now. But uh, but in Buffalo, you can get tickets for like 12 bucks, so that, that, may, yeah. that may not be too much, too bad. Yeah, like $100, and I can buy like 36 tickets. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm like, invite all your friends, bring whatever you want. 30 is a lot, dude. I didn't think it was going to be that high. Like, ha- have you heard of something more? Like, have you heard of a guy buying more than 30 tickets in a particular building? I've heard of, uh, in Detroit, Tesla always has a pretty big following, but he usually gets, I think, like 50 or 60 tickets. And he makes probably 95% of them COD. So he pays for like five of them, but he gets like 55 and, and makes everyone pay for their own. So. <laughs> who who physically collects the money? Does he physically collect that money? No, when you leave them COD, uh, they have to actually pay at the counter to get the tickets. They show up, uh, show their ID, and then have to like, physically pay there. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard that before. It's a scumbag move. (laughs) Hey, speaking of which, how was your fishing trip? A fishing trip was, uh, I'm surprised you know about that, but it was amazing. It was? Uh, It was a lot of fun. And I'm I'm not a guy that goes on a lot of fishing trips. I've never been on a serious one like this before, but uh, I'm, I'm already looking forward to going back. I had so much fun. It was, it was a great trip. Are you kidding? You, you, like you, you're being serious. 
I'm being dead serious. And yeah, I mean, you you would think if you've never been on a, a fishing trip in the ocean at this resort, you would think, okay, what are you talking about? But uh, you couldn't. I couldn't get enough of it. We were on the water for you know ten hours a day, and you couldn't get enough of it. It was it was that much fun. Why was it fun? Well, there's a number of reasons, <laughs> but uh, you know, just okay. Which ones on can boat, you say on the radio? Uh, I've never really had the feeling of reeling in my own fish and, and bringing it onto the boat. And we actually just cooked uh, one of the halibut tonight, so it's it's just a real manly feeling to be able to provide for your family and catch your own food. <laughs> hey, what, what's the what's the proverb? Teach a teach a man to fish. He can feed himself. What's the? I'm screwing it up. I don't know. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about right now, dude. I, but, you know, uh, you know, knowledge is not in my brain. Yeah, don't even try. But anyways, uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was obviously very beautiful up there. You could see Alaska, the coast of Alaska. It was, uh, you know, you felt like it was very remote. Uh, it, I don't know. I can't tell tell you how good it was, but it was it was really good. So for the people who don't know, what we're talking about the Vancouver Canucks. What was it a four day team building excursion? Correct? Is it four days or five days? Yeah, it's like four or five days. Four or five days before the season started. New coach, couple of new guys, a team building. Uh, so how did, uh, who was the boat's DJ? Was that Garrison or was there music on the boat? There was only two, uh, we had small individual vessels. So you had a guide and then you had two people per boat. So, um, you know, each boat has their own, uh, music playing, but we had the, uh, the CB radio. So we're, you know, going back and forth, uh, making fun of each other. And your boy Kessler had the, the music going over the CB once in a while, you know, very bad taste in music. But. <laughs> what was he playing? Uh, there was, it was, uh, it was XM radio, so he was, you know, he likes the hip, he thinks he knows the hip-hop, so he was trying to play some of his hip-hop songs. <laughs> sure your boy Kanye was on there, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of different tastes of music, uh, on our team, so it, it clashes, uh, very often. How were the guys divided? You said the guys were in pairs. Yeah, the guys were in pairs. I think we, we ended up switching, um, Every day, well, yeah, so I had somebody different every day. I don't know who who decided, but uh, you know, there were some bragging rights for, for certain boats, for sure. What do you mean? for why Were certain boats more, uh, were they more luxurious than others or had more horsepower? What was what was the deal with the boats? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you want to talk about this that much, but I'll talk about this all day. Yeah. Well, and listen, <laughs> this, is, this is part of, like, who's ever going to know this stuff or who's ever going to see th- I mean, Nobody. Right. Nobody is privileged enough to know this. We uh, we had a little derby where we uh, we kind of put uh, some some resources together and saw who could catch the biggest fish and had a little friendly competition with uh, within the team. So, so was it like a hundred bucks each? It was competitive. Let's not, we don't need to crunch numbers here, but, uh, <laughs> dude. A hundred uh, bucks each. That's like two two G's. You're walking away with two G's. That's nice. Or twenty five hundred. That's that's nice. Yeah, that's that's a good payday for sure for catching a fish, right? Yeah. So was so, it a daily? Was it a daily pot, or is it like a pot at the end of the trip? There was uh, there was one competition at the beginning, and then once that was over, we had so much fun that we uh, we had another little one too. So it's, it's a pretty dramatic ending where uh, our buddy Alex Edler had a uh, fish on his hook within five minutes of the competition being over, and he uh, he fought it for about forty five fifty minutes. To, to reel it in and ended up coming in second, which was pretty nice. Oh, uh, so wait, so how like how heavy was his fish, Edlers? Do you remember? His, yeah, his fish was just under thirty-five pounds. Wow, that's a big fish, man. 
so he fought that thing for about 45, 50 minutes, and there was a 1,000-pound sea lion that was trying to uh, eat the fish. On the Come line. on! We had all the other boats kind of boxing out the sea lion to help him out there. <laughs> Too bad you guys didn't have, like, a paintball gun or, like, a, well, I can't, not a BB gun because that's yeah, a little no, cruel, that's, but. That's, Ill- that's illegal. Okay, fine. Nonsense. <laughs> okay, so who won? Who had uh, the biggest fish? Who's sure. the Who's the I, big cheese on the team? I hate I hate to say it. Like I hate to say this, but uh, it was uh, Kev. <laughs> the American. He was uh, yeah. He was pretty happy about it. <laughs> and he's not a guy who's like a, a humble winner, is he? He's not somebody you want to win at all. So he's <laughs> about that all year. How heavy was his? His was uh, I think it was thirty six. So it was, it was pretty close. Did anybody fall in the water? Uh, nobody fell in the water. We jumped in the one day, five of us, but uh, nobody fell in. No, was yeah. anybody pushed in or thrown in? No, 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 no. We're all adults here. Yeah, but still, <laughs> you still, yeah, yeah. You're all adults in the game that you play, but not the way that you behave off the ice no, sometimes. We're not, we're not a bunch of hooligans that were crashing into each other and trying to throw each other into the water. It was, uh, there was enough fun going on that we didn't have to dunk each other. So um, I know that uh, you have uh, two little angels. Do you are kids like too soft these days? And by that I mean like, you know, it feels like everybody's got a peanut allergy. It feels like you know you can't celebrate Halloween. There's some schools where you can't. They're not celebrating Halloween this year. Some yeah. school, you know, when kids play sports, you know, there are some leagues where they don't keep like not no wins or losses, or they don't keep score. They just want to have. Just the kids to have fun. Are are your kids old enough to play sports? And do you think kids are too soft these days? Yeah, well, that's that's a tough answer. It's a pretty controversial subject, but uh, well, let's get into my, it, Kev. Well, yeah, my kids are involved in sports, and they have uh, played in leagues where they don't keep score. And uh, I don't know how I feel, but uh, yeah, sometimes you wanna you wanna know what the score is it's just for for progress to see how you know how good they're doing. But I understand the concept of it and. I think it is good. You want to keep the kids uh, interested as long as you can, and sometimes when you you keep score and, and you make it competitive at a young age, the ones that aren't, aren't as good kind of fall off the map and don't get to, to keep playing the game they love and get better. So yeah, but uh, that's when that's they go into house that. league. That's when they, that's what house leagues for. Yeah, but you know what? I'm 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 a late bloomer myself, so I can I can understand that. There's there's a lot of kids out there that maybe don't start uh, skating or start soccer or basketball as young as some of these other kids, so they're a little bit behind at first. But um, you know, everyone knows the important years are when you you get into high school and just after that. So if you keep them in the game and allow them to develop, it, it makes you know it makes sense in the end. When you said you're a late bloomer, does that mean you didn't kiss a girl till you were like 20, 21 years old, twenty two? I kissed my wife when I was 20. <laughs> the first and only girl. First and only. <laughs> I'm surprised. Why are you laughing? I'm surprised you kept a straight face on that one. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Were you, uh, so, um, when you. Hold, hold on a second. This is such a long interview. I got to take a bite of my sandwich. <laughs> I go ahead. Okay, fine. I'll go on a little. Hey, were you um in high school? Were you the valedictorian or the prom king or on student council? I love talking um, about high school. High school, just everybody can relate to it. And in Grimsby, Ontario, I'm I can't imagine you had that many kids at your high school. I'm thinking maybe forty to sixty total, 
from nine no, to uh, OAC or nine to grade thirteen for those people who are not uh, are not from Ontario. You're trying to make a joke right now, but you're actually pretty close to the truth. I, I was the second class ever at, at my high school. Uh, it was Catholic high school that opened, so my first year, yeah, there was only 60 kids in the school. Uh, <laughs> I think 30, just under 30 in my graduating class. So there's a little bit of everything there. See, see what I'm like. Listen, I'm not just I'm not just a, a pretty face. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. There you go. Um, so. Does that okay? So, with like thirty kids in your graduating uh, high school class, uh, were you the valedictorian? No, I was not the valedictorian. Once again, I was a late bloomer. So <laughs> I got to, I got through high school, and then I, I kind of took it to the next level in college. I did well in college. And you went to uh, you went to the Ohio State, right? I don't be quiet. I went to uh, the Bowling Green State. Oh, the Bowling Green. I thought you went to the Ohio State because Kess no. went to Michigan, right? No, Kess went to Ohio State. Oh, anybody, that's right. Anybody can get in there. Uh, <laughs> they got uh, 76,000 people that go there, so how, how difficult can it be to get in? <laughs> so, no, I went to a little bit smaller, a little uh, smarter school. Bowling Green. Mike Johnson went there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mike Johnson, yeah, he's a TSN guy, isn't he? Yeah, I, I like yeah. how you, I like how you said it. Yeah, I know. No, no, I'm just giving him a hard time. He's a he's an intelligent guy. Um, Bowling Green, and then you guys would play like Canadian like universities like Western and McGill or whatever, and just wipe the floor with them, right? Uh, yeah, we do well against them. Uh, Windsor because they were close. Windsor, like okay. Who who even knew Windsor at a university? <laughs> uh, they got a they got a casino. You meet Zach Cassian, and you don't think that Windsor has a university, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we meet some of those, those teams. Uh, those are some, some good uh, warm-up games for us. Hey, who's more honest, you or your coach? Uh, oh, you know, that's pretty close. He's a straight shooter. He's so are you. I try to be, yeah. No, you I always mean. are. I, I, I don't think you – I don't know if I've, I've met a more honest athlete. Like you're not, a, and you never say anything stupid, but you are always honest. I had a friend in the media today actually say to me, "He's uh, you're you're very honest with the media, and even when you're you're trying to lie, you're still honest." <laughs> that's, that's what my friend was saying. But like, oh, yeah, you're, you're right. I am. Even when I am trying to throw a joke around, it usually comes from some sort of truth. There's a line in Scarface where uh, Tony Montana says, "I always tell I always tell the truth, even when I lie." Yeah. He's, uh, that's a good movie. So wait, but you didn't answer the question. You, you said it was close between you and Tortorella. <clears throat> well, I don't know. We were two honest guys. Like, who tells the truth more? Who knows? I don't know. He, he tells the truth. He tells it like it is uh, in the dress room to the media, and you got to admire that. So if I can be compared to him, that's good. Do, are there any guys that are passive-aggressive on your team? Like that will not have will just avoid confrontation. Obviously, in your game, you have to have confrontation on the ice, but like off the ice or like. Yeah, there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys like that. I know you think that everyone's an alpha male, but uh, you know, off the ice, there's there's a lot of guys that are very passive and kind of like to blend in their surroundings. Don't like to be the center of attention. Like who? Alex Edler is the first guy that comes to mind. Really? He's really nice, quiet, humble guy. Uh, your buddy Garrison too. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty pretty good guy. He likes to blend in, doesn't like to be center of attention. So there's there's two great examples for you right there. So uh so thank you for those. Um in You're this welcome. piece that's coming out on, on Friday 
on SportsCenter, I did a bit uh, where I asked five different NHL dudes, your boy Kessler included, about how often do you say to your teammates, do you tell your teammates that you love them? Like, how often do you say to a dude, like, I love you, man, just like the movie? Do I tell my teammates that I love them individually? Yeah. Not like as a group, oh, I love you guys. Like an individual dude, like... Like it's if it's if it's Edler, it's like Alex, man, I love you, man. I might not use those words exactly, but I think I express uh, my affection, you know, pretty often with the guys that I like. Yeah, but no, I'm <laughs> saying, but like you, but I have to, the the words, the actual words. I love you, man. I love you, man. You know, probably only a handful of times I've ever told a teammate that I actually love them. <laughs> so when I asked Kessler, he when sa- I did say it, I really meant it too. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, but you are also very sarcastic, so I it would I would have to I would have to read your body language to really know if it was if it was sincere or not. <laughs> I uh, so when I asked Kessler, he said he he said he does it. Well, jokingly, he said it does it about once a week. I'm like, well, who are the guys that you say I love you, man, to? And he goes, oh, well, my guys. And the first guy he mentioned was you. He's like, you know, Bieksa, Burroughs, Edler, uh, Garrison, like those. He's ta- oh, he's talking about in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, yeah, Some, yeah. Once in a while. So uh, yeah, so those are those. So you didn't know that. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a a little insight. Oh, maybe, I, maybe I need to start telling guys that I love them more. It seems like I'm not doing enough. Well, how do you how do you think that would affect your street cred? My street cred? Yeah. Street cred solid right now. I'm not worried about that. I'm just worrying about my teammates knowing how much I love them. Um, would you tell, would you tell the twins individually or would you tell them as one? Because they're kind of like one, one unit yeah. unit. I, I'd probably tell them together. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever get one of them on their own. It's usually, it's usually a package deal. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, uh, so, okay. I, I'm not going to keep you any that much longer because I know that, um, you're about to rip through Homeland, which is a dope, a dope. Uh, have you um, have you started watching the Blacklist? No, I'm on the Blacklist. What else are you watching uh, other than Homeland? Like on the regular? Uh, Game of Thrones is a, is a big one. That's 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 the number one for me. But we're just yeah, we're just waiting out for season four. Yeah, so. January can't come soon enough. It's like right around like any NFL playoffs. Like, give me some Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones is I can't wait for that one. So. Uh, those are the main two. Uh, can't think of what else that we're going through right now. Breaking Bad, we're we're close to starting that one. We haven't even got into that yet. Me neither. So you're gonna start from ground, like the ground floor, like season one, episode one. See, we have season one right now on uh, in the batter's box. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, it's queued up, ready to go. Do you watch Eastbound and Down? No. Uh, do you watch uh, Boardwalk Empire? No, hostages. We're also thinking about getting into hostages. Okay, that's a new one, right? That's new this yeah. season. Yeah, how's I don't know. What do you hear about that? Uh, I haven't heard anything about that one yet. Um, what about? Uh, do you watch like some of the mainstays, like Modern Family? Uh, a little bit, but not uh, not religiously. What else is out there? Dexter. Were you on Dexter? No. Walking Dead. I got two kids. Like I'm not just watching TV all night. Like I got good stuff going on, you know. No, I know, but the but the nighttime or when you're on the plane, dude, you're away for six months of the year. I play cards every single time, and from takeoff to landing. Oh, so you're not even crushing out episodes on your iPad? No, no, no. I'm trying to put food on the table. I'm trying to make some money. 
Well, I'm That's sure. A bad, bad start to the year, too. For you? For me, yeah. Why have you have you not scored a goal yet? No, no, on the plane, cards. I thought we were talking cards. Oh, I th- yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, a bad start. So you're in the hole, is what you're saying? Yeah, like my kids can't even eat right now. Oh boy, you're down about what four or five, uh, four or five bands, four or five stacks. Forty, fifty bucks. Yeah. No, not forty, fifty bucks. <laughs> You guys, you guys play with different rules, okay? Everything we is is multiplied by like, 100 for you guys. No, we don't play for the, the big stakes that everyone thinks we do. We get some pretty, like I said, we get some pretty cheap guys on our team, so we keep it very uh, respectable. Charles Barkley once said that he lost when when he was asked on the Dan Lebertard show, "What's the most he lost to Michael Jordan?" He said 70 G's when they played in Charles. Barcelona. This is in 1992. It's the Summer Olympics, the Dream Team. They're in Barcelona, Spain, and they play cards from from dusk till dawn um, in uh, either Magic's room or Larry's room or Michael's room. It was Charles, Michael. Yeah, imagine losing a million in cards to uh, no. I can't even, I, I lost, I, and this is just me, just the blue collar. I lost uh, 1,100 once playing poker, and I've, I've never played poker since. You're not, yeah, but you're not blue collar anymore. You used to be blue collar. This is when I was blue collar, doggy. This is when now I was just starting out. No, you're blue chip now. Like, you're Whatever. Big Whatever. Big dog. Kevin, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate your friendship. Yes. Well, what a, what a conversation we just had. <laughs> Dude, I, I think people, I think people are into it. They, you no, know. I don't, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but it was it was fun to be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. As they say in TV, we'll let the audience decide. Um, yeah. I hope um, I hope you climb yourself out of that little hole that you're in, a la team playing and, and poker playing. And um, well, I hope that uh, this year on the West Coast, you guys bring the pain. Do what you came to do, number three. We'll see. We'll do our best here. Hey, um... <laughs> Every when when Game of Thrones uh, starts up again, we'll have like uh, you might get a text where I ruin it for you. Let's, let's Skype. Let's Skype during the first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that idea. I'm fully gonna do. I'm, after this, I'm gonna text you my email address. I'm like, yeah, man, let's just be Skype buddies. I don't know if it's weird cool. for two grown men to be Skype buddies. Probably, but whatever. We'll make it. We'll make it work, though. We're game changers. Uh, thank you for very much, man, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. All right, pal. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks. that. Thank you for listening to Cabby Presents the podcast.